everybody, it's Rob on Enjoying the Journey, and I am excited. I have been just enjoying summer. I don't know about you, but when the colors are vibrant, I just love it. When the temperatures are warm, I just love it. When you see the leaves on the trees and the green grass, well, you guessed it. I just love it. I am so excited about what God has been doing here in Iowa with beautiful weather. I know it's been hot and I know that our farmer friends need rain. So I have to switch the switch of loving the warm weather to start praying for rain because I know we really, really need it. So if you would join us in praying for rain here in the Midwest, that would be huge. But I just want to thank God so much for these vibrant, beautiful colors I've been enjoying over the last few weeks. I love summer. It's my favorite time of year. And I hope you're being blessed, too, by the warm temperatures where you're at and the uh, vibrant colors outside. I know I keep saying that, but I have just loved it, especially in the mornings when it's a little bit quieter out. You're taking a little stroll and you just look over the the horizon, so to speak, and it's just gorgeous out there. So I just want to give a big shout out, well, to God because he painted the picture and I just absolutely love it. And I'm really excited about our guest today, Tom Miyashiro. Tom has had a journey and listening to his story broke my heart at times, but then the exciting things that God has done through his heartache is just so inspiring. So I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Tom on today's Enjoying the Journey. Uh, welcome to Enjoying the Journey. Today, we get the chance to talk with Tom Miyashiro. Miyashiro! Oh! So close. Oh, man! Miyashiro! Oh, and Parker's making fun of me in the background that I screwed it up already, but yeah, Miyashiro. Totally fine. Just imagine me as an anime character. You know, I got the cool Asian last name. So. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, Tom, welcome to Enjoying the Journey. We cannot wait to have a conversation with you today and learn more about you, what God is doing in and through your life and through your ministry. So welcome to Enjoying the Journey. Maybe our listeners have heard of Tom Miyashiro. Maybe they haven't. So can you give us a little background on, on yourself? Well, they probably haven't. I, uh, I don't. I, I don't travel extensively. I, I sort of stay in my pocket of the world, which is New England. Uh, those are the upper six states mm. in the northeast corner of the country, also known um, locally as the Frozen Chosen. Oh, old up here. Yeah. Uh, it's the birthplace of our nation. Um, lots of history, American history here. But also, it's one of the most difficult places spiritually in our nation now, wow. at least according to Barna's research. Right. And so I feel pretty committed to this uh, area. I grew up in Connecticut. Hmm. So uh, I love New England. I love the Church of New England. And, and even though the people are rough around the edges here, uh, I love... I love New England. I love the brashness. I, I even love the cold weather most of the time. A really? Of, a couple of good snows is pretty. After the second one, I'm like, okay, we can move on. But, right. but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's more than a full-time job up here, trying to keep the church encouraged, keep mm. the gospel front and center. Uh, and sometimes, you know, just like the weather changes and gets super cold, it's super cold spiritually. And so, Sometimes we're just 
chipping away, well, not sometimes, all the time, we're just chipping away, chipping away at the culture up here, asking God to pour out his spirit in our mm. seemingly spiritually dead land. And, and frankly, the New England states are the birthplace of three of America's great awakenings, and we're asking God to do it again. Oh. Do it again, Lord. Do it yes. again. Yes. When you when you say frozen chosen, explain that a little bit, because that term gets thrown around here in our neck of the woods. Okay. Well, it's a cold place. I don't know where you are. Where are you guys based? We're in Iowa. Okay. Okay. So so, it, yeah. Winters are brutal. Winters are brutal here too. So similar. Yes. And, and so you know, uh, it's a cold place, and frankly, uh, New Englanders are known for being a bit cold culturally too you know you have southern hospitality yeah and then you have the new england uh unwelcoming <laughs> unwelcoming culture i i mean it's it's kind of sad that we're known for being a little uh little hostile to outsiders mm. but um i think new englanders would say that they're proud of it that they like they like keeping to themselves we don't necessarily like bigger and better. Um, you know, I live in somewhere called the quiet corner of Connecticut and the people here like to be checked out and like to be on their own. They like smaller church. The average church size in New England is under 150. If you Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. So, you know, sometimes we marvel when we look at the rest of the country and the big massive churches and you know there's a few you get closer to new york the church or boston you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know the big cities don't really count right in terms of of normal church new england life but you know we look at those bigger churches to us a big church is like 250 or maybe wow. 500 if you're lucky wow um, uh, but we look at those bigger communities and we don't even we can't even comprehend how how that is church doesn't make sense it, it still doesn't make sense to my brain and i don't even know how to engage with bigger churches really i don't i just kind of stick to my patch and encourage the churches and and most of the time i'm spent with people who aren't even christians because there's you know there's not you know a lot of our pastors are bivocational so um you know Faith, faith, we're trying to encourage churches and encourage local church, trying to help them figure out how to grow their congregations and do effective evangelism. And, you know, it's an uphill battle the whole way. The whole Absolutely. Way. That's a, that's a whole different ministry model than other areas around the country, et cetera. So you bring up faith to faith, walk sure. us into uh faith to faith ministries a little bit and what, what that looks like. You know, uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't uh, feel like I want, I have this pressing need to, to market myself for the ministry. But if you want to know, like I, yeah, I got saved when I was 16. I preached the gospel in my high school. Mm. I want to say I led around 70, 75 friends to Christ senior wow. year. And then my home church sent me off to a really conservative Bible college. So faith, faith's kind of born out of just being a teenager, coming to Christ, sharing my faith, going for it. And, and the other kind of tension is 
another element of New England church life is, you know, you've got, you've got uh, those of us who are wanting to be together and preach the gospel together, network together. But there's also the really conservative side of New England that dates all the way back to the days of the Puritans. And things don't change much sometimes in these churches, you know, and, yeah. and they're very, very old ideas and old families. And um, in some of our churches, this is the way church ought to be. It's mm-hmm. been like this forever. You're not going to change that. And, and frankly, I found myself getting kicked out of the denomination I grew up in for wow. some very simple things like uh, belief that the Holy Spirit is not just in a book. He's alive. He's doing things in the church and playing my guitar. They didn't like it that I brought the guitar into the church. So they paid for me to go to school because they saw I was leading kids to Christ, but they didn't like the way I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And after I was unrepentant senior year of college, they blacklisted me from the movement. So I needed to get a job. So I started a ministry so I could just keep going and find my own way. 20 years later, here I am still trying to do it and shake things loose in the frozen lands of the upper Northeast six. Very difficult place, but I love it. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. And 20 years in. 20 years. This is our 20th anniversary. Yeah. So it's ours too here at Rise. Awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. It's, you got any big celebrations planned or what? What are you guys doing? You know, that is such a good question. I, I asked our board a little bit about that, too. One celebration we got to do. So we do a, a rather large for our area festival called Rise yeah. Fest. And so we were blessed to be able to build a permanent stage. And so we, wow. yes, I mean, this this is super wow. cool. I feel very blessed by that. So we were able to do a stage dedication. And in a way... Yes, it was the stage dedication, but it was also a little bit of a party, maybe the 20 year party, because it was so neat to bring people together, host them on the stage. We brought Mike D, Mike Donahue from 10th Ave in uh, to be our special guest. And we did hors d'oeuvres and the day did not start out the way I had hoped. We, we have a lot of weather issues in Iowa in the summer. So Rise Fest also has been called Mud Fest, Rain Fest, you, you know, you name it, whatever. That morning it was wet, it was soggy, and I was like, of course, God, we're trying to do something on the grounds. Of course the weather's coming in. But by that evening, it was just drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, yes, we had to get some crushed concrete in to get rid of some water and, and this, that, and the other thing. We had to put rugs out so people you know, weren't walking through the mud, but... All in all, it was a drop dead gorgeous night, and so to me, cool. I guess that was kind of kind of the party. Yeah. And now, literally, as I'm talking to you, eight days from now, we get to do the massive party with the entire festival. Yes. So I eight cannot days wait. Eight days from when we're talking right now. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. So it's it's right around the corner. Probably by the time this podcast airs. Uh, the festival will have happened. <laughs> so. well, well, maybe you should adjust that air date. I wouldn't want to take away from <laughs> your, your attendance. They're all at home watching. That's right. Podcast. We got to get this thing out tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, we got to get this thing out. Oh, my God. And, and so I can understand your passion, your hunger, uh, 20 years in, still being excited about it. It's obviously having frustrations. Let's, let's not, sure. you know, 
be uh be overly spiritual and be like oh it's great every day everybody wants us to come into their church and share no not at all um and and every day that all all the eyes are going to be crossed and all the or i mean all the eyes dotted all the t's crossed it just just doesn't doesn't work that way i just had a meeting right before this with one of our team members and they said to me man it just feels like everything's against me and 20 years of ministry I'm sure you can understand that. Oh, yeah, you can see it all. People stealing from you, um, you know, losing major donors at critical moments and going, oh, no, how are we going to keep the lights on? Right. Uh, praying and asking God for payroll, you know, Yep. that today. Ask the Lord to by noon today and the Lord, Lord is faithful. He's good. He helps us. Wow, that's awesome. Pushing forward, trusting him, you know, so. Uh, I, you know, it's better, you know, who reads the book when there's no struggle in the story, right? Oh, amen to that. Amen to that. And that's why we call this podcast Enjoying the Journey. So you mentioned that you became a Christian at 16, started leading uh, friends to Christ as a senior, and then being kicked out of your own denomination. What a struggle that must have been. How has the journey been over the last 20 years? What, what are some of the challenges, both personal, uh, spiritual, ministry-wise? What, what, what has that looked like, and, and how have you walked through that? You know, if you dedicate your life to Christian service, uh, you're, you're pretty much asking to, to have Satan come and prowl around and hang out and try and steal your chickens right out from under you. You know, I, if you're a soul winner, uh, he's going to try and break into the house. He's going to try and do more than poach. He's going to try and, you know, it says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you're snatching souls from his kingdom, he's going to be snatching stuff from you on the regular. That is that is a given. And you're an evangelist too, so I am sure you know all about it. So it's one of those things where it's like, um, right, your eyes are open. Um yeah. You live your life with joy and passion, but you know, you gotta, you gotta have that wisdom. You gotta be wise in these last days. Satan is a crafty feller and he wants to, and he wants to discourage us. And he wants, he wants us to just tap out and throw in the towel. And frankly, I find that in new England, Mm-hmm. Those of us who believe in Jesus, you know, if you see a fella with a Christian fish on their car, you kind of want to just go up and hug their neck because, you know, it means something. Ah. You're going to be ridiculed for that in New England. We ah. have the Ivy League schools here, right? We have Yale, we have Dartmouth, Harvard. You know, these are institutions that at one point did believe in Jesus, but that's not what they preach today. Um <laughs> These, these Ivy League schools where the elite of this country come to get their education, mm-hmm. uh, they worship something else. You know, they worship education. They worship the human spirit and, and progress, and, and God is not part of their agenda at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so going off on that tangent a little bit, you know, I think when we encounter unbelievers here in new england it's not just people who don't know haven't heard it's people that are hostile to the christian message Mm -hmm. 
and they do not they do not want to engage and sometimes everything coming out of your mouth sounds like a a bad word to them ah. so so uh i make it a point to join different boards community boards and say christian things just to just to mess with them i remember when <laughs> i'm not this is not a political statement but it was a fun thing to do i joined right this real liberal community foundation board for mentoring in the public schools. And, and Trump had just got elected. Now Trump's supercharged, divide the church. All, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of different opinions about this guy, but he early on, you remember he made that statement about extreme vetting of terrorists. Uh, they, they said to me, Tom, Tom, we heard that you get your mentors from the church. How do you, how do you ensure, how do you get them and how do you ensure student safety? And I said, well, we do a process called extreme vetting. <laughs> and they all are like, what do you mean by extreme vetting? I was like, well, well, <laughs> they thought I was going to say something racist or xenophobic or something like that. I said, well, tell you the truth, we, on the application, you know, we, we ask for a pastoral reference and uh, we call that pastor and ask about the potential mentor who's going to be working with the kid in the public school. And we, we, we actually turned this one guy down because the pastor said, believe it or not, that this person was argumentative in Bible study. And, he had <laughs> and they went, oh, that's actually quite good. Yeah, you don't want you don't want someone argumentative working with the kids, someone who knows everything, thinks they knew it. I said, I said that might sound extreme, but for us, like we want quality people working with students. And they're like, wow, that that's actually that's actually really good. I said, yeah, extreme vetting. And they're like, oh, maybe find a different word to explain. <laughs> but I was just messing with them, you know, because that's oh, fun. That is fun. That is fun. Is it getting any easier? Well, I would say. The scripture, you know, is clear. The gospel cannot be chained. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we ask the Lord for boldness and God always sets the stage for the gospel in the most ridiculous situations, in the most extreme conditions. He always, he always is faithful to show up when we take a risk. So um, 20 years of doing this, there's lots of places and and things that we've tried to do for the gospel. And people said, that will never work. That'll never work. And it's my favorite thing to do it anyway. Yes. <laughs> and watch God show up. And, you know, yeah. we even have a language we use in New England. Church leaders are catching on to what faith to faith does. Because we'll come into an area and we'll say, hey, we're going to try some evangelistic things here with you. We'd love to. But we know in New England, nothing works. We know that church plants fail their first time out the gate. You know, we know this. So, so here's the idea, you know, it probably won't work. It probably is this dumb idea, but like, what if God were to use it? Like, what if, what if he did this time it took for some reason? We don't know, but it's probably a dumb idea. It's going to suck, but let's, you know, what else are we going to do? Let's try it. Right. Maybe, maybe if we do it two or three times, maybe it'll start working. So we enter almost every gospel opportunity 
telling people it's a dumb idea probably won't work <laughs> and maybe we'll try it and then new englanders are kind of like yeah it is a dumb idea but you hey, it's worth a shot let's try it you know we sit at the table and you know <laughs> and, and 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 the reality is new englanders have to warm up to something even whether they're a believer or unbeliever and the full buy-in doesn't come in until two three years into the journey so so we literally have to we know first year attendance is going to be dumb people are going to tell us it was the worst idea ever everybody's going to slag off all the things that went wrong and complain about all the things that didn't work we know that so let's do it and then in year two if it still sucks we'll make tinkering some more and if year three it still sucks then we kill it but, but usually year three is when you know if it's a god thing yeah, absolutely. We don't know until three years in. Isn't that something? Oh, it's something. I, I've got a friend that, that does it similar. He, mm -hmm. He'll uh, say it something like, have you considered or or in a way make it your idea? Mm -hmm. Because then that's a softer approach mm -hmm. of, of pushing it uh, out in front of you or whatever. So it's, it's mm -hmm. always, when, when I start to hear the words, have you considered, I'm like, you're trying to, you're trying to get my attention here, aren't you? You're, you're trying to come in the smooth way of saying, hey, what do you think of this idea? Back to that frozen chosen thing, though. Yes. You know, New Englanders take pride. I, there was some big shot pastor, and I don't remember who it was, but some big shot Bible pastor tried to come up here and plant the big church. Oh. And the way the story goes, and you probably can Google the quote and find out who it was, but we, you know, I'm not interested in throwing anybody the bus. I just... I just like the story because it kind of represents the New England spirit. And the fella come up here, he wants to plant this church and, uh, and he tries. It doesn't work the way it works everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And he said, man, my best view of New England was in my rear view mirror. And he went and said that on his big platform. So New England heard that. Oh, no. said, yeah, buddy, don't let the door hit you in the butt on your way out. Like, Great. yeah. Yep. Yep, that's about right. We we're not looking for your big big city ideas. We're not looking for your big slick branding. We are who we are. We do what we do, and it's tough here. And if you're not prepared to stay for the long haul, adios, amigos. So, wow. you know the the. I think New Englanders, though, you know it's a tough exterior. You know, like an M and M, right? Soft on, mm -hmm. soft, gooey chocolate inside, but mm -hmm. hard shell on the yeah, outside. You just gotta break that shell. I think, I think we need the Lord to break some break some shells up in here. You know. Oh, that is so yeah. cool. So that that's that's one part of the journey, and that is definitely a day in and day out. But yeah. I, I also you shared just a, a little bit about losing a, a spouse as well on the personal side of stuff. Mm. Can you walk us through that a, a, a tad and, and yeah, just how you walk through that? Yeah. I mean, um, it's been a few years, but you know, when I, when I started faith to faith, it, it actually started with the first conversion, you know, like my late wife, Amy, mm -hmm. She was the first official faith-to-faith -faith convert. Wow. She's from England, which is even harder than New England. I mean, I've heard that. If you can think of one worse place to do evangelism than 
New England, I'd pick England. There, it's even more difficult. The people are more rigid uh, in some, in many places, and 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 cynical. Mm. And she was studying to be a microbiologist. So right out the gate, while I was still in Bible college, nobody could believe that this goofy, passionate Jesus freak from New England had led a British scientist to Christ. No one could believe it. Wow. And so uh, she joined a local church at university and then got the pastor to invite me while I was still a student in Bible college to preach my first international meeting. She, she uh, advocated to have me come to England to preach. And I think people wanted to meet this guy who had led this girl to Christ because she came in and she was pretty put together. I don't think people had realized what a new believer she was right out the gate when she joined the local church. I think they'd made her the church treasurer after a couple of months. And so, and she was a brand new baby Christian. And so uh, I, I, it wasn't long after meeting her that I um, realized that I love this girl. And, mm. and when I went to preach that um, first campaign in England, I had a ring in my pocket and I already figured it out. Wow. Uh, leading her to the Lord was the first step. Leading her to myself was the second step. <laughs> and uh, popped the question early. And we, we got married young. Uh, she, made, she made me finish Bible college as difficult as it was for me. And with raising tensions in the church, uh, she said, I'm not marrying you unless you graduate. So she, mm -hmm. she forced me to buckle down and focus, finish my education. We got married and it's only a couple of years into marriage. We're coming home from uh, uh, work or something. And she starts complaining about having double vision. And so we, I thought maybe she needed uh, some glasses or something and sure. turned out to be a trip to the emergency room. Turned out she had a brain tumor in her skull size of a grapefruit wow and um and it wasn't like she was taken from me slowly like phase one in the first brain surgery we lost our home and we lost our jobs and we peaked out our medical insurance we hit lifetime caps in the first three months and so as a 23 year old young man i was sent home with a handicapped woman Mm. um with no insurance and being told you know like hey uh do the best you can kind of thing we've done what we can for her wow and so age 23 um we'd moved out of connecticut and that brought us back to new england mm. and after that brain surgery she'd go on to have um 10 more wow over four years um she had chemotherapy on the regular and at some points um and then and radiation at some point she'd have all three at the same time and they worked very hard to try and preserve her life save her life because she was so young and beautiful no one could believe someone like this could have such a rare mm. uh, rare cancer um anyway she was a fighter she fought like crazy and when we came back to New England, and this is probably the other piece of why I'm fiercely loyal to New England, hmm. 
Um, people knew who we were. Um, they'd hear, hear about the evangelist who had a sick wife and he was taking care of her and still preached the gospel. Uh, I had a very short leash. I couldn't go very far from home because she needed me. And by her last year of life, we were completely shut in wow. uh, for a whole year. And so I think the churches wanted to help and they didn't know how. So in some ways, it gave a great legitimacy to faith to faith in terms of like a vehicle for them to support us as a couple. Mm -hmm. um, but they we did so much more than, you know, give money. Like there was a church who showed up outside our house and built a handicap ramp that we would have never been able to afford so I could get her to doctor's appointments. Um, there was a couple who donated an apartment for me to do end of life care. And we lived there for free for the last year and a half of life. There was countless people that I don't even know who showed up with meals and with things like things that we needed. Um, so I could just, just help her get through each day. It was such an intense time. And there were like a lot like your situation, at least when I was in it, there was no end date. Right. For all I know, it was going to go on for the rest of my life. It definitely did for her life. Mm -hmm. And 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 that gospel that I preached to her when it all began, you know, mm -hmm. it was challenged every day. Is this a fairy tale? Is this reality? I I shared a message with her and then it was like, Tom, now you put your money where your mouth is because yeah. your job is to coach this woman into eternity. Yeah. And that's and that's essentially what that chapter of my life looked like. Wow. And it and it was a hard I mean, it was it was so hard. I can take you to any particular moment during that four year thing. Uh, the day I had to cut her hair off, mm. you know, to prepare her for hair loss. And and she cried through the whole thing. And I felt like a horrible person because each snip of the scissors was like I was stabbing her in the heart and it and it was awful or or the day that I had to manacle her to the bed because she was trying to scratch the stitches out of her head mm. and as as awful as it sounds to handcuff your wife to the bed it would have been far worse if she'd scratched the stitches out of her head you know yeah any number of things but you know right before she went to be with the lord he came and visited her in the room three times. Wow. Bodily. And one of those times I was there, but I couldn't see what she was seeing. Mm. And she's reaching for him. And she's, it was, it was like the most incredible thing to me that I could be that close to the Lord and not feel him the way or see him or touch him the way she was reaching for him it was super faith building but i was also a little begrudging him you know like <laughs> i'm taking care of this woman isn't that <laughs> worth something to you lord right. you know don't you think i deserve to see what you what she gets to see right right oh you're just so clear about that right he says blessed is the one who sees and believes but more blessed is the one who doesn't see but still believes oh yeah, that woman died in my arms. And I remember that last conversation It was, I suck as a husband, run to Jesus, don't hold on to this life. Mm -hmm. Like he is a far better husband than I'll ever be. 
I love you so much. I'll miss you so much. But where you're going is far better. It's yeah. so much better. Here's one last thing I'll tell you about that if you want to hear it. Yeah, I do. Amy passed away one hour after Good Friday. Wow. One hour after Good Friday. I was scheduled to preach at my home church that Easter Sunday and mm. give the gospel message. Mm. You cannot plan a better moment for sharing the gospel. Amen. So she dies, and I remember spinning my wedding ring on the kitchen table, like, like, what does this mean for me? You know, I'm 27 years old. I'm a widower now. A couple coron coroners in the background while I'm calling my pastor to let him know she's gone. And they basically stuffed her into a bag, and they're carrying her out and banging down the hallway. And it was just a super surreal moment, right? Like, I'm spinning my ring. My wife's in a bag now, <laughs> being carried out. I'm talking to my pastor and saying, uh, hey, you know, Amy's gone. How are you feeling, buddy? I, I just feel like, you know, like it doesn't feel like anything. I, I don't know what it feels like. It's, it's so new. I don't know what to feel. So we were talking a little bit about that. And he says, um, he says, are you sure you're okay? And I said, I think, I think I'm okay. And I said, but the question is, Pastor Joe, what do you want to do about church tomorrow? And he says, well, what do you want to do about church tomorrow? I don't know if I could say this on your show, but I'm going to say it anyway. I said, do it, do it. If you don't mind, Pastor, I'd like to kick Satan in the balls. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going with that, but that's. He laughed so hard. <laughs> you go, boy, you do that. You do that. I, I think I preached my head off the net. Like I took whatever I was feeling. Mm -hmm. There was some numbness, but like the beginning of grief, I, I sort of just like, I don't know if you ever played street fighter as a kid. That was a game. I played. <laughs> like Ryu, You know, like he, he grabs that air and he goes, Hadouken! like, I felt like I took all that anger and grief, mm -hmm. four years of frustration. And I came at scene with everything I had, everything I had that Sunday. And I still meet people to this day who gave their life to Christ at that meeting. I, I, a lot of people gave their life to Christ at that meeting, including get the, get the, this is like mind blowing, including my future father-in-law. What? Who never went to church a day in his life. He, wow. he came to that meeting to make a deal with God because his grandson diagnosed with a brain tumor oh my goodness now there's a fellow on stage talking about a wife who died of a brain cancer mm. and why don't you join us in heaven give your life to him he made he was trying to make a deal with god for that young man's life and found something way bigger than that right and guess what that that young man's now my nephew wow he's very much alive the lord healed him mm. My father-in-law owns a pretty large business here in Connecticut, and he feels the gospel big time now. Wow, that is awesome. And, and you're it's remarried. Incredible. It's incredible. Man. So, uh, you know, you, you get these hardships, but if you yeah. hang in there long enough, there's a hook. And God, and God shows up and shows off, man. I can't, 
I can't wait. I, you know, like I'm reading your story and I'm seeing the way you're doing it in your wheelchair, <laughs> in your Hot Wheels, bro. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I was getting fired up just reading your story, man, because you're living it. Everything that I've been through, I when I meet another fellow who's been who's who's going through that, yeah. my respect. You have my deepest respect. You are you are living that life. Well, that, right back at Joel Olstein, best life now stuff, bro. You are <laughs> living it. You are living it. Oh well, and and the reason we can live it because I'm gonna throw it right back at you. Come on, is when we have people like you in our lives. Well, when people care for us, no strings attached with the love of Jesus, that's hard, that's raw, that's real, that's uncomfortable, that irritates you, that ticks you off, everything in between, you can do this because you see the face of Jesus through those people. My wife would be one of those people and so yeah. many friends that that join in or, or people that on the team or whatever, it, it just, that's the only way you can do it. If I had to do this alone, if I had to do this without the future hope of streets of gold and a better tomorrow and that encounter that you described with, with your former wife, uh, you know, in that room, yeah, this would be a depressing day. But Yeah, but you know what? That, that adversity, it makes you so sharp, bro. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to come hear you preach the gospel. Because, because when you hurt, yeah. Like it makes it makes that gospel so sharp and people just can't they can't handle it. Right. You know, in the days I remember doing winter camps, summer camps, winter camps in the days following her passing because I didn't stop. I was like, now's the time. Now's the time. I want to hit people when they think I should be out. I want to hit people now. Yes. And I remember. One camp trying to tell me we don't do emotion at this camp. Uh, we don't manipulate kids. You know, they, they go to the campfire at the end of the week. They share their, they share their stories. They, we don't pressure them to make any, I'm like, okay, okay. Whatever you guys want to do. I won't, I won't bow heads. We won't close eyes. We won't, whatever you guys want to do, we'll let the Lord work. I start sharing about Amy and I start crying. I can't help it. I can't help it. it the tears are flowing. Yep. Everybody's got someone who's been hurt by cancer. Those kids start crying like crazy. The director of the camp's crying. The executive director of the camp, everybody's weeping like a baby. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. You said no emotion. I am so sorry. Guys, I, I'll stop. I'll get off the stage right now. And they're like, go, keep going, keep going. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll pull it together, guys. And, and kids are so emotional. They're running out of the meeting trying to pull it together. Yep. You know, at the end of the day, we all lose people. We suffer deeply. You know, we're, we kid ourselves. We mask it with technology we mask it with alcohol drugs whatever we mask our pain trying to cope with this life and we don't realize how simple the solution is the simple the simple gospel to transform our heart give us hope yeah hope for a, not just a better tomorrow like in the moment god meets True. us you know it you know it the lord meets us right there he energizes us supercharges us. he goes bro that's that's the deposit you think this this is good this yeah. jesus juice is good you wait you wait until we are reunited in heaven it's gonna be so good it's gonna be so great it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be awesome tom we always like to ask this question to every guest 
So you're on a journey. And if you could have anybody right now, and I mean anybody, join you on this journey, who would it be? Well, it seems like, seems like Rob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're my new favorite guest. You're the only one that said it. <laughs> it seems like I need to get like a... Um... I, I need to get like some kind of sidecar for yes. your for your, for your yes. wheelchair. And yes, just, sir. Uh, hop on the Rob, the Rob Rise train and uh, that's see awesome. that gospel preach, baby. I mean, <laughs> that's bro, awesome. you're doing it. You are doing it. How cool would that be? Get a little sidecar, have another evangelist kind of hiding out in there. Oh, that's cool. You saw the crazy crazy thing about that is my son's 18 and just bought a motorcycle. Oh, come on. And and his uh his his thing to me was, Dad, I'm gonna get a sidecar so you can ride with me. I'm yes. gonna get a sidecar. So so when we get that done, then we'll head your way. Listen, I think I think you should get some kind of custom things done and make him get in the sidecar. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's right. That's right. It's all faith, baby. It's all faith. Oh, that's awesome. And as we wrap up today, are there any nuggets you'd like to give our listeners? You've given so many, but is there anything you'd like to wrap up with? I don't know. I, 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 like, I like to keep things simple. You know, faith, faith is when faith and adrenaline meat, you know, like, hey, I'm going to trust God, like, just let that cortisol start dripping from my brain into my veins, like that kind of faith, like, I'm going to trust God, cool stuff happens, man, cool stuff happens, it, he'll bring you right up to the line where it looks like everything's falling apart, but you just hang in there, the Lord moves, there's nothing like it, there is nothing like it, and it's a pleasure to meet you, man, I'm so glad we you too. This is awesome. You you have given us so much today. We we thank you so much for being on Enjoying the Journey. God has taken you on quite the journey. And wow, what you're sharing and will continue to share is just going to impact the kingdom. So well, thank you. Listen, I need I need me some Rob. I want to hear I want to hear some gospel preaching. I, I I love it. I can't wait to to see this stage that got commemorated. The fields of Iowa. Yes. We got to get you out to Iowa. I want to see it, man. I, awesome. Sounds like a good time. Sounds like you're doing great work, buddy. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.